And welcome to episode 360 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my Xbox co-hosts, Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. It's the April Fool's edition of the cast. (coughs) We're pulling the biggest April Fool of all. No joke. Not doing an April Fool's joke. (laughs) So meta. Guys. What a good idea! We had, that was our that was the idea we went with. Yep, <laughs> didn't didn't totally forget that this show was going to come out on April Fools. No sir, and come up right before we recorded with many awesome ideas for April <laughs> Fools jokes. So <laughs> in our in our defense, April the April Fools this year has been kind of mid. A lot of people like started posting their shit like early, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, hey hey, it's not. April Fools is tomorrow. I guess the whole point. Why are you posting it now? It's like it's like Black Friday, where it's like slipping into other days now. Was April Fools that big of an issue where they're like, guys, guys, you know, it's really putting a damper on like our economic system. Can you start April Fools on the thirty first? We need someone to like. We have to get our light-hearted, non-offensive internet joke in before the weekend starts. Mm-hmm. End of yeah, makes end sense. of business week. We need to get that that very inoffensive, you know, not you know, not boundary pushing at all. Um, don't want to make a fuss. Internet joke. <laughs> Got in. It's very important. Friday that it happens by Friday. Also, I haven't seen a whole lot of um, like April Fool's jokes just in general from like companies. I think people are over it. I got over it real quick. Yep. Like there's there was a there was a line. They crossed it. Now the japes aren't in good taste. Like you can't bring you can't walk that back. Yeah. There there yeah, there's been some some less than savory April Fools. Yep. There is I mean, I will have at least one April Fools related story. Um for, for video game news today, but um, we'll get there. That's good. It'll balance out my incredibly sad story about an end of an era in gaming and an end of an era for this podcast. Yeah. Yep, and I know exactly um, what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure most of our loyal listeners uh, probably already know and and know exactly what I'm referring to, but. That is a later segment in the show. We begin the show, as we do every week, with Trey Watch, our trailer review and roundup segment. Correct. Um, Astute observation, Kurt. Um, what an what a interesting slate of trailers we have this week. This is... They, they decided spring's here. Color is officially allowed again. Um... <laughs> So we have we the the drab January through March releases are over. Um, so let's do it. Movies are fun again. So let's <laughs> immediately jump to bad anime adaptation with uh, Knights of the Zodiac trailer. Now, 
Yeah, okay, so this is an anime? This is, yes, the anime, though, is not, notably not Knights of the Zodiac that I understand. It's Saint Seiya, which was, like, a a classic, like, magical action 80s anime. Very well loved in the community. Like, on par at the time with, like, OG Dragon Ball. Oh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I've seen this shit. That's a, yeah, that's super popular. Yeah, so this is so what I'm saying is this is going to be the Saint Seiya version of Dragon Ball Evolution. Yeah, there there are definitely a lot of comments about uh some parallels that people see between this and Dragon Ball Evolution. I don't know anything about Saint Seiya or Knights of the Zodiac, so I I can't say for sure if this is a charitable uh take on it or not hey jake uh, go to 32 it, seconds in, in the trailer yeah. among us got him yeah was that yeah. it <laughs> got him <laughs> oh that was april fool's joke god you fucking got me, dude. It, it definitely dude. has the look of like a a Street Fighter Legacy of Chun Li budget production. <laughs> yes. So the other thing is that Saint Seiya. I think one of the neat things about it was it was a little bit more simplified with their designs, where you basically just had like maybe some armor pieces um, and like a little like crown or head here mm -hmm. this like the guy's just decked out in like cg plate mail like a knight um and i could see where that is a big uh departure from it i mean at least power rangers they had like the same base looking suit they just made it more like i don't know modernize it a little bit instead of making it look like kind of rubber right they do um, not the the wobbly kind of, like more mechanical. The, the yeah, the Power Rangers suits in the 2017 movie were definitely a, a lot different compared to the the show counterparts. But like, yeah, they 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 had recognizable theming. I think is what you're trying to to get at. And they didn't. I'm looking at some shots of Saint Seiya now, and they did. It looks like they have like a leotard and like matching armor pieces, but like slightly variation, slight variations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're all kind of based in like that sort of or not Renaissance, but like the classics style. Yeah. Yeah. I guess some of them have helmets. I don't know. But no, like to your point, it's not like a full suit of armor looking like a medieval knight kind of deal yeah and it's it's a big departure from like the the design like i guess there's the the helmets um has the depiction of whatever zodiac sign or spirit animal I, i'm not sure mm -hmm. um yeah yeah saint say knights of the zodiac what i, I so... guess what this also says is us none of us having seen this um I'm going to say right now, this is probably not the way newcomers to the series should be introduced to it. It's probably, much like many anime adaptations, it's just going to give them a bunch of bad ideas, wrong ideas about what the series is. Um, a lot of misconceptions. 
just having seen a, a live at live action adaptation or two in my day um i you know the original 80s series is still there i'm watching the opening right now it's it's looking hype it's looking it's looking classic so the way these designs this is going to be a throwback that that no one's going to reach but me but um so and it's kind of funny because an article about this show popped up in my uh my google feed at at some point a couple weeks ago i was like holy shit i remember that and i text the link to peter and jake be like tell me i'm not the only people person who remembers that i was <laughs> but the way these <laughs> these suits are designed reminds me of the basically the irish power rangers series mystic knights of tir nanag <laughs> all right you know what I'm waiting and they, for? They they could have they they should if they wanted to go like full armor, uh, they should have like definitely copped that aesthetic. Yeah, like the '90s. I'm not gonna say the '90 '90s knew how to do this with taste, but like they knew how to work with what they had, and I feel like what they working with what they had worked out better than uh, what how that works today. Like I'm looking at that opening too right now. It's like, yeah, this looks like you know, classic, like '90s young to teen uh, adventure show. So it's definitely you know, a young funny. show. You guys all grew up on Power Rangers. I had, I dabbled in Power Rangers a little bit, but this was my shit. And I'm waiting for the the remake of Beetleborgs. I Big remember Beetleborgs. Beetleborgs. I remember with the fucking Blue Jay Leno. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bl- that's that's the stuff I'm waiting for, but or was that VR uh, Troopers? You got me, kids. I'm not sure. I've heard of VR Troopers. They they were all uh, Saban production uh, things around the same time to capitalize on the success of Power Rangers. I never did. Um, I never did VR Troopers. That was very, very Power Rangers esque. Beetleborgs were. A fever dream. Uh, somebody just took shrooms and made a made a show. Beetleborgs were also super Power Rangers esque. They just had like weird Frankenstein. <laughs> this is the one with the blue Jay Leno. Um, yeah, <laughs> but they had Beetle aesthetics, dude. Come on, that's not Power Rangers. And they had mummies for some reason. It totally is Power Power Rangers. Uh, this is nothing like Power Ninja Rangers. Storm. Literally had two rangers that looked exactly like Beetleborgs. Just because it's made by Saban doesn't mean it's... No, Saban would nothing. never reuse uh, properties to make more money. Oh, God. Would never sign a Netflix deal for something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Speaking of um, of anime remakes, um, we are getting the reverse of that. Getting a live action turned into an anime, with Scott Pilgrim versus the World made into an anime. <laughs> now I don't have a trailer to show you because they just announced the cast. Okay. I think you go and, and tell cast... me that that's not a Beetleborg. <laughs> and the cast is uh, is the exact same as the original show or original movie. Oh yep, yeah. Oh, so, so they're they just Chris taking Evans the movie back. cast. So they're doing Scott Pilgrim the movie the anime. 
Well, so Scott Pilgrim, yeah. I believe, originally was a graphic novel. Yes. Which was made into a movie, and then a video game around the same time, which had this same sort of anime aesthetic to it. So this is just... <laughs> They're just mixing and matching all the different stuff together now to create new products. Right. Does this, like, I feel like this was cre- this was riding the, the crest of the wave when, like, isn't pop culture quirky, right? They were kind of at the forefront of that. Now yes, that that's this like, was the ultimate. Now that that tsunami wave has washed ashore, destroying millions of dollars of infrastructure <laughs> and ruining lives. Um... <laughs> What happens when they come surfing in again? Like, will they be well received? Like, we've gone through we've point, gone through decades of Marvel movies at this point. Like, yes. are those jokes gonna land now? I feel I feel at this point they can play it as a nostalgia act, which is wild. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we'll we'll see what it is. I have I have no idea what it's going to be like. Um, but I know the animation company is the same as, um, was it Kill the Kill? Um, let me. Um, I I saw oh Science Sorrow, which I've seen. They've done some. We've seen their shit before. At least, if nothing else, on some of the Star Wars anime. Yeah, visions. Yeah. Um, let me see Science Sire. What the fuck did they do? Um, show me. Oh, they did fucking, uh, they do a lot of Netflix anime. They did fucking Devil May Cry Baby. Devil May Cry Baby. Oh, shit, it. they did, okay, they're doing, fu- they did Night of Short Walk On Girl. Probably did, like, fucking, yeah, dude for Tatami Gow. Uh, okay, we're good. This, it's a good studio. That is, uh, yeah. so that's... Ping Pong, the animation, of the Zodiac. We're in, we're in the good times. <laughs> so that's Knights of the Zodiac, I think. And some other things. Well, I yeah. I figured we moved off of Knights of the Zodiac. and it was just Oh, okay. I, I kind of lost yeah. lost my train of thought there. Um, I said in the same vein of that. Scott Pilgrim. That's what we were talking action. about. Yeah, I remember. Um, Master Gardener. Yes. It's Leon the Professional, but with gardening shears. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that was my first, my first hot take, and it was pretty, uh, pretty neutral. Yeah, it. Uh, <laughs> the the uh, soundtrack to the trailer does not really match <laughs> the. Uh, the tone and tenor of the movie no but uh, uh this yeah it's, like... it's it's pretty straightforward i'm sure it'll be fine um and if it isn't then it's not <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my insightful analysis <laughs> yeah i'm not like magnolia magnolia does like they do movies, right? Yeah, They've done a motion so. picture or two in their time. <clears throat> I was scrolling through the comments just to see what I could find, and um, somebody said, at first I thought Conan O'Brien was the lead role, and they marked it as 107. And <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. Let's see. I don't... 
I don't know what's going on like, with Sigourney um, Weaver's costume in this. Yeah, I I mean, he's got this uh, a sort of similar hairstyle. He's got like the facial structure and hairstyle of of Conan. I don't think he has the facial uh, structure of Conan. And he's just missing the uh, the red aesthetic. He missed that download. Mm-hmm. So, guys, you know how we know that this is like a coming-of-age drama movie? There's a scene where the characters lean out the side of a car window and scream into the night. (laughs) It's, you know, that's all you need. That's the movie right there. They just lean out and they go, That's it, baby. That's it. I'm leaning out the side of a car. It's, I'm so and there's free. Flowers on the, and there's flowers on the side of the road, right. too. Because they're, it's a, he's a gardener. It's another like dead flowers. giveaway. Um, I bet you he buried all the bodies under his garden as fertilizer. Probably. Also, do they fuck? <laughs> God, I hope not. Who is he? Who is he like? Well, they didn't fucking Leon, <laughs> so I hope not. That well, that's another weird. Hold on, I gotta go back to the scene to see if that's the two main characters. Cause they better be pulling my fucking leg with this shit. So the, the premise is um, Sigourney Weaver's character is some I don't know boss lady who owns a garden, maybe I don't know. And this guy is uh, the gardener right. and and or her um, hitman. And s- Yes, and I think he moonlights as a hitman, and um, she says, hey, I've got this person who's fallen in with a bad crowd. I need you to mentor her? I don't know. Um, I, want, I want halfway through this movie um, the, the cast of Hot Fuzz to show up. Like he kills one of his victims with the, with the pruning shear, with the gardening shears. <laughs> and the cop show up was like a lot of accidents happening in this town <laughs> for, the, yeah. for the greater good yeah yeah that movie had a weird resolution <laughs> wasn't it where was that making wasn't it just that they killed everyone <laughs> then the act then the then the cop showed up well yeah they, there's a lot of bloodshed and then they did the fucking because the the fat guy's dad was like the town leader. Okay. And they did the point break thing when he was running away because they'd watch point break earlier where he rolls on his back and shoots into the air. Right. <laughs> so the bad guy just gets away scot free. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking <laughs> everyone returns to where they were at the beginning of the movie. With <laughs> I see. Nothing really having nothing resolving. Yeah. Powerful. Yeah, so I went back and found that scene. It, it does appear that they're gonna have like some weird love interest aspect to it, but I, I don't know if they're gonna go with like surrogate father figure or um star crossed lovers or something like that. I don't, know. I don't see why the two have to be mutually exclusive. <laughs> um, next in next in color, huh? in our in our world of colors, trolls band together. 
the trailer yes the the movie i thought they were done sorry um, what i missed this one entirely oh i i'm watching it now oh. that's why you see this bewildered oh. expression over my even my beautifully even lit face um so they they resurrected them again for another what feels like the same cg engine like i feel like the cg hasn't the art style hasn't improved since the first one this has it hasn't well they why would they They why would they make changes frames on this what uh what motivation would they possibly have to (laughs) to spend more money on uh on this I'm I I'm watching this and I just don't I I don't have the sound on to be fair. But um I'm watching this and I can just visually see that this is going to be a generic plot, like a generic animated sequel plot, which I guess is fine so for for like the Trolls movie. The main guy, Justin Timberlake's character, is um, this going to be the plot of Alvin bunch, and the Chipmunks? Something bunch he he finds out that his brother is back and he wants to get the family back together and when he was a baby his brothers and him were all in a boy band you see mm-hmm. um this now this um actually gets probably one of the best scenes ever to be made in um history where they go on about how hey guys we have to break up we're not in sync anymore and i see this going in one direction and that's the back street that oh no so another faux pas they commit is that their their boy band group is singing a uh a song set to the tune of backstreet's back it's like come on producers <laughs> That's the wrong one. The... You've got got it wrong. <laughs> there's there's a million in sync songs you could have chosen from. <laughs> um yeah, and then they then they do uh a see they do the drug trip scene at the end where they go in it's the fucking scene from that episode in Rick and Morty where they're on the space cruiser and they they accidentally break a they spring a leak into like hyperspace or something. And they do a um, a trippy montage. Oh yeah, oh I missed this. It's part. like right at the end. Yeah. And then then it goes right back to normal. And I was just thinking about that line from Rick where he's like, "Yeah, cosmic apotheosis wears off pretty quick." <laughs> you know, kid kids love trolls. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised they squeezed out a is this a fourth one i don't know but it's gonna be like police academy they're gonna keep making them until they stop making money yeah uh yeah honestly i mean they they don't have to have that crazy of a plot and as long as they can just keep doing funny shit to keep kids uh engaged then they'll yep they'll they'll go the way of shrek where they'll make a well i don't know shrek's shrek's a, a pioneer a paver i was gonna say this'll go until they can only make money they won't just stop. They'll just make it into a TV movie and then into a TV series. And then they'll just kind of, if it dies, it dies in silence in chains in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> or it rises again um, like a green ogrey phoenix. <laughs> Shrek. 
yeah. dropping <laughs> like the fucking spin-off properties are still making millions out here. I I think that's nuts. And uh I'm so excited for the next Shrek. Shrek that's five really is gonna be so good. <laughs> now now you go to me. You go to me in twenty twelve even, twenty thirteen. I'm a freshman in college, and it's like, hey, Pete, I'm you from the future. <laughs> Shrek five is gonna be dynamite. I'm so that's one of the hypest movies I've got for next year. Is Yeah, I'd call you crazy too. The Puss in Boots. I would be like, they made a fourth Shrek. (laughs) There's a fourth Transformers? (laughs) There's a sixth. (laughs) Well, no, when when the thing for last night came out, um, everyone was referring to as Transformers 5. I'm like, when did they make a fourth Transformers? (laughs) It's so good. Uh, Speaking of colorful uh, kids' movies... Uh, we finally got the full trailer for Elemental yes. as well. Um, it is exactly what we what, all expected. What if Elements <laughs> had feelings? Uh, what if Elements had feelings and uh, no race mixing allowed? Yep. My uh, miscegenation is not good. I always um, somehow I always read miscegenation close? as miscagenation. <laughs> I never heard that word said out loud before. I'm like, oh, it's miscagenation. Okay. Yeah. Also, the it was uh, like me and negligee the, the, the whole time. I've never seen the word written. <laughs> so like niggly niggly. Uh, clothes are a weird aspect to this. It's a uh, kind of interesting. <laughs> I mean, the animation looks fucking great. It it does. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh they they definitely got their their forty nineties on full blast for this movie. Yep. I mean the. Some uh, of the effects that they, I'm no doubt, I'm sure they pioneered for this movie, um, looking uh, quite literally fire. <laughs> like yeah. that's that's a, that's some pretty cool effects. Um, yeah, that's why they showed off the fire and water. Those are those are the main characters and not the trees, air and earth. I guess would be yeah. the other or the clouds. Yeah. So. I'd say even the cloud people still look pretty solid. Like it's mm-hmm. got to have that smoky, yeah, good. Uh, huge. But it's not like you know, it's not the ones they wanted to show off for this. Yeah, I mean, everybody always talks about water effects and stuff like that. And... Yeah, no, it, it looks it looks fine. It looks yeah. fine. I, I don't really know if it's going to be like. I think it's just there's nothing about it that makes me feel better towards it than i have the past few pixar projects which i've kind of been lukewarm on Mm -hmm. what's weird is that like from looking from this like on the edges on the fringes it seems like there's a probably there might actually be a lot of world building in this but they're not showing it in the trailer like what's the deal like with like the fucking crystals and like they're breaking into some sort of like secret facility like it's where all the elements are made yeah <laughs> are we gonna, gonna figure out that the element. man has been creating <laughs> the systemic divide between the elements Mila Djokovic yeah. is gonna be in the center <laughs> she's gonna pop up and Bruce Willis is gonna have oh to they are gonna make if they don't make they a are fifth, gonna make element, a fifth joke, element joke I'm... absolutely 
and I, it won't resonate. It might because be the kid. There's no kid alive who's seen that movie. The uh, wait was. I I would say it might be something as banal as a uh, flying taxi. Yeah, that could be. Wasn't wasn't uh the Fifth Element like? Wasn't it love? Yeah. Is that what the Fifth Element was in the movie? Yep. So it, they could make that same like conclusion here. Is that I don't know to bring the world together like water and fire have to fall in love or some yeah, shit. Yeah, we'll get the or, or love the br- secret brings, brings uh, us all together. We'll get the Manda Chiwins coming hit. in. They're doing the opposite of you people. <laughs> like love, they're going for a love conquers all. Like love, yeah. love will will heal racial divides. <laughs> Not you cannot love someone because of racial divides, <laughs> which was the the message of you people. Yeah. I know they got married at the end, but that was a lie. That was it's true. That it was, was fan fiction of their own movie. This the kiss was CG. It never happened. So yeah, seal it with the kiss. I I did not realize that until after I watched the movie, and like watching that kiss again is so silly. Yeah, the fact that he never kissed her, and they had to like CG their lips together. They never so they never do good. anything like physically intimate with each other in the whole movie. They hug. Yeah. They do a lot of hugging. They lie next to each other, and Jonah Hill's at least shirtless. Because he's, he's like, this is as far as I'm willing to go. It's only because I'm, I'm a professional. Was that, was that religious reasons, or was it something I don't know. else? I feel like maybe like, they just knew that this was going to be like, was she like a bomb, and they're like, I'm, I'm good if you're good. We'll be professionals about this. Uh, Were they filming during Ramadan? <laughs> and that shit's haram. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if the actress is Muslim. I'm pretty sure Eddie Murphy is not. <laughs> so <laughs> characters in a movie. Um, I think we have to. I think we have to go for it. Uh, well, actually, no. We got a couple left. We got a couple left. Bi- bi- biosphere. Uh, it's not biodome. It's biosphere. It's it's not ten Cloverfield Lane, but a different movie. Um, yeah. It's by that I mean the premise is that it's these people locked in a or they're stuck in a uh, safety shelter where we don't know what's happened to the outside world, and um, mm-hmm. it's cat. It's you know the pressure's mountain and they're getting like cabin fever. What a what a premise cabin fever. for a thriller. I'm sure it'll be exciting. They play some SNES. Mm-hmm. Yep, there's some fish. Like, this was... Of all the COVID movies, this is the most COVID movie. <laughs> this is... Y'all remember being on lockdown and how antsy you got? So, this movie. I thought the weirdest thing... I So... Around like the peak of COVID, I, I was watching um, This Is Us with Kristen, and they took real life events and like would put it into the show, and they included COVID into it. So they had just full ass scenes where they were like, "Oh, got a social distance, put my mask mm-hmm. on, recording with a mask on," or like you could clearly tell they were in different they were in different like uh, rooms or different times that they recorded this. Um, that was that was my favorite. COVID, COVID movie, COVID show. Fucking crazy. But yeah, 
Seems a little late for this to be, yeah. unless it was just like delayed like crazy. Well, I mean, maybe it's that they just didn't want it to be directly associated like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I but, find uh, the poll quote funny. Unlike any movie in recent history, I'm like, is, is did the lighthouse not happen? Because <laughs> this is the same fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Sterling K. Brown is really good. Yeah. He's got a super emotive face. Also, he was in This Is Us. Mm. So He's also bad. That's in, why also He's in this new movie coming out called Hotel Artemis. It's got a pretty good cast. Yeah. Maybe we should watch it. Shit, I think he was in Hotel Artemis. He was in Hotel Artemis. <laughs> the, that's why I brought it up, Jake. He was in Hotel Artemis. He was in uh, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. Yep. Did you know that uh, Sterling K. Brown uh, starred with Jeff Goldblum, Jodie Foster, Charlie Day, and Dave Bautista in Hotel Artemis in 2008, the action crime thriller? That was not 2008. Uh, 2018, sorry. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I forgot. I was not in 8th grade when they, <laughs> they made Hotel <laughs> Artemis. We've been doing the show a long time, but not that long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lordy. Um... All right, I guess uh, last trailer. You're breaking my heart. Then the very next day you gave it away. Uh, it's Asteroid City, a.k.a. Wes Anderson's Independence Day. Um, it's not quite it that. Is, it's surprising to me, and perhaps it's happened before, I'm just not aware of it, that uh, Tom Hanks had never been in a Wes Anderson movie before or this I believe this is the first time I've yeah. seen him in a Wes Anderson movie and that just seems like a pairing that should have happened a long time ago Unless he was in Isle of Dogs he might have been but I don't count animated movies okay let me I'll I'll investigate this quick um was Tom Hanks in Isle of Dogs that's what I said I typed, but what I actually typed was, was Tom Hanksin Isla of Dogs? Uh, my fingers are not up to snuff today. Um, I don't believe so. It does not appear to be. Uh, yeah, so he, definitely... he, I don't think he's been in a, in a Wes Anderson production before. Yeah, very interesting. But yeah, this so everyone's talking about mostly about how how much of a flex it is that Wes Anderson can bring in all the Oscar winners or Oscar nominees onto his like thirty five million dollar movie. <laughs> well, at this point, uh, Tom Hanks does a lot of movies for like a pretty reasonable fee. Yeah, just because he likes the movie, like Greyhound, he only made like $30,000 a day on or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know only, but right. like for, when for you, Hollywood, when you... that's modest. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure he's between all of the projects and, and deals he's been in, you know, he definitely is at that point. Like we said with Carrie Ellis uh, previously, like where he just, he just work on what he wants to work on. Um, and of course, everyone wants to work on a Wes Anderson picture. Seems like a fun time. Um, yeah, the, the top cast is fucking insane. Yeah. Hong Chao, Hope Davis, 
uh, Tom Hanks, Margot Robbie, Sophia Lillis, Scarlett Johansson, Brian Cranston, William Defoe, Adrian Brody, Steve Carell, Edward Norton, Jeff Goldblum, Tilda Swinton, Maya Hawke. Um, some of these are getting a little less known. Leif Schreiber, though, Rupert Friend. Did you talk about Matt Dillon. Yeah. Just Willem Defoe. Yeah, all these guys. Because there were there were some people that I did not see in uh in the trailer. Like I didn't see William Defoe or Brian Cranston. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I but I yeah could've, could've I didn't I didn't catch uh Steve Carell either. Oh, Steve Carell's got like a mustache. He does. I, I remember seeing him. I've seen. I've seen before. He's got he a does look different. He looks yeah. Um, but I love. I love even though he's got all all these guys in here. Uh, he still finds room for his friends. <laughs> mm-hmm. This I I also love how this is um, this is Wes Anderson's take on the Mexico yellow filter. <laughs> it's like you step over the border and everything turns into a washed out pastel. <laughs> like this is the well, most pastel like- thing I've seen, and I've been to Easter many years in a row. <laughs> I've witnessed the holiday known as Easter. And the baby blues, that's the most underage baby blues I've ever seen. It's like a robin is laying an egg right in my face. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if you... These... And it's got that term, Kurt, say the word. What's the... Planometric composition. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I never, I will never have to say that say in, a, in a conversation with anyone else. So I'm just gonna rely on you to say that whenever I call it out. <laughs> I'm gonna like if I need to, I'm gonna get a sound bite from you at some point, so I can just like pull it up when I need to use the word. Metric composition. It's like yeah, it'll be like the easy button, but it'll just have your face on it. Just slap it. It's a lot. There's a lot of a lot of uh, other directors that have taken. To doing and actually Wes Anderson himself kind of uh, nicked it a little bit from Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Um, Hitchcock used a fair amount of planimetric composition. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that's like part of why he did it. Because <laughs> if if there's anything uh, I feel that Wes Anderson would do, paying homage to a classic filmmaker, yes. <laughs> It's like yeah. number one on his list. He's like, can what, I? Emulate? What makes Wes Anderson unique is that like ninety percent of his movie is composed the same way. Yes. So, um, relying I mean, on set changes to communicate to the audience like the different events going on. Yeah, it'll be be fine it'll be good it'll be a wes anderson movie um my my parents can watch it they can i'll be like hey mom dad there's a wes anderson movie going at the independent movie theater in the next week you guys should go see it here's a gift card this constitutes (laughs) my birthday present to you (laughs) yeah i never got around to seeing the french dispatch i need to need to watch that it's okay like in terms of of his his body of work it's it's fine um yeah i don't know if we ever um explain what this movie's about it's dude they go to um, they go to albuquerque not albuquerque but all yeah. in spirit 
um, by which I mean they jump into a postcard in your grandma's <laughs> um, photo album of Albuquerque. Uh, there is an asteroid, and then aliens come. It it yeah. kind of reminds me. So there's an SNL sketch many years ago about a Wes Anderson horror movie, and mm-hmm. it, you know yes. it's all its hallmarks of of writing and and uh, you know filmmaking, but it's it's like the events are those of a horror movie, and I fucking <laughs> I laughed at that. I was like, you know what? I'd actually, I actually I might watch that. I feel and like this is kind of like. A similar thing, but just like with the sci-fi, um, I'm I'm curious to see if this is going to be kind of a, and I think it is just from the trailer and his style of filmmaker. It's going to be like a '50s kind of sci-fi where there's a lot of scientists and people talking about the alien, but the alien isn't shown a whole lot. Right? They'll they'll put the alien right at the end. Um, yeah, I honestly, if I. If I wanted uh, Wes Anderson to do horror, he could do the uh, a series of unfortunate events. He could hit that lemony snicket hard. Did they made a Netflix adaptation of it, and I guess people really liked it. Yeah. Well, there, yeah, there was also the uh, less popular 2003 Jim Carrey movie. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it's that was probably made but... that was made like during the height of the popularity. Yeah, or like its initial, mm-hmm. yeah, run of popularity. It was to capitalize on on a trend. Crazy Rated R. That's trailers. Unless you got any yeah, more trailers, tr- I'm sure there no, are more trailers, but we're not going to talk about any more trailers. We could look back at the Hotel Artemis trailer if you want. You know what? I kind of want to do that. Let me just... uh... Let's go back. Let's go back in time. See what they got here. I don't know what constitutes 2018 in terms of style. Oh, yeah, totally. Los Angeles 2028. Boys, we're getting there. We're gonna read. It's two thousand four. The Jim Carrey movie came okay. out. Okay. Well, I think they had like the. Um, I think they had a lot more of the uh, the conflict leading up to why they had to go into the hotel. Um, they had a lot more of that in the trailer, and I think it was made it seem like that was going to be a lot more of the movie. Mm-hmm. But there were just like brief flashes to that, like why the guy got shot. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I'm, it was a disappointing movie. <laughs> I just remember I a guy got Jody killed Foster with like a three D printed really shank. Good. It's my favorite part of it. Yeah. Oh, didn't they like three D print an organ? Yeah, it was like a kidney dude? or something. Yeah, because he had this special card that let him do it. Yeah. It was. Oh, Charlie Day was in. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, the <laughs> cast was amazing, dude. <laughs> We're gonna watch this in 2028, or at least I am. I'm gonna I go back. I think we should review it. We should. I think we should review it. Should we just re- revisit Hotel Artemis every year? <laughs> yes. Does it hold up? And the answer every time will be, eh, probably, maybe. It's 
I mean, the six point one out of ten on IMDb feels feels pretty fair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's got um. What is it? Is is it Clementine? What what is the guy's name from uh? Um, the Bullet Train movie it's got the the guy with the earring. Oh. Tangerine or Clementine? Yeah. The British guy. They were both British. <laughs> it's a British guy. The British bloke. Beans Maybe. on toast. I, it's it's not coming to me. I, I'm not seeing him. It's yeah. It's, it's not Charlie the guy David who's going to play Craven. Yeah. It was the guy that came in with Sterling K. Brown. He was in his like the group of oh people that got um. Oh, 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 you're talking about Brian Tyree Henry? Yes. Three names. Not Tangerine. Well, yeah, okay. Is it Tangerine? Tangerine, I think, was the white guy. Mm, No, because the Tangerine, he died in Bullet Train, and the Tangerine truck avenged him at the end. Yeah, and the white guy is the one who died. Oh, okay. Then yes. Then he was Lemon. Symbolism. Lemon. Lemon. lemon, lemon. Yeah, I'm also I'm also looking at the IMDb page right now, and it says Bullet Train Lemon. Oh, he was also Jefferson Davis in uh, Spider Verse. I did not know. Realize that he Speaking does a lemons, very convincing American accent, yeah. <laughs> or maybe he is, is American and does a convincing British accent. Peak Pete humor right here. Take take a minute. You can watch it after the the cast, but. Will Sasso's lemon oh, compilation yeah. no, that's video. A, that's a that's a classic. Peak comedy. That was like my fr- that was when Vine was popular. Can we yeah, make TikTok that back Vine, into Vine? Vine days. Okay. Is did the... Twitter buy Vine? Was that how it went away? I think so. Um, something like that. Dude, Elon Musk had his like road to redemption just served up to him on a silver platter. Bring back Vine. Compete with TikTok. Bring back Vine. And win. Maybe that's what is that going to happen after TikTok's ousted from America media. We'll we'll see if that passes or not. I'm not so confident. But we're not. I'm not so confident it'll survive. Everybody's <laughs> like on it. The the one person when when the only person in your corner is Rand Paul. That's all you need because it only takes one motherfucker to filibuster a bill and kill it. <laughs> Imagine serving in politics for your entire life, getting millions and millions of dollars in donations, only for it to culminate in filibustering a dancing yeah. app. That's why, see, maybe that's why everyone was so angry about Dr. Seuss, those Dr. Seuss controversial books coming out, because, like, you know, it's going to cut down on their reading material for the filibuster. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't, it's all you don't even now. have to yeah. do talking filibuster. You, do... you, just have, you just have to announce your intent to filibuster, and that's that's it. Yeah. Bill's dead. Do it from the fucking Unless app, you can break it. Right? You get a phone, like, you're in your office in Capitol Hill. You're like, I don't want to go, I don't want to walk down the floor. It's raining out. Uh, there's a button. Right? There's one of these apps on here lets me stop Congress entirely. Grind the process of government to a halt. Yeah, it's gr- grinder. We'll call it grinder. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did you know apparently that that uh, grinder used to be uh, Chinese owned, and then uh, the U.S. like forced them to divest and sell it to like an American company, and then as soon as it did, um, like a bunch of people bought the data of a bunch of users on Grinder, and I was outed like a bunch of Catholic priests who were like on Grinder. <laughs> I was like, seems like, seems like we're the bad guys. Got him. Got him. We're the, we've, been the, we've been the bad guys all along. We've been following yep. up on the bad guys. Yeah, on the follow-up. Speaking of bad guys. Speaking of Bagul. I, no, because I, I could have made bad jokes. So. Okay. Speaking um, of myself. Speaking of box office and the follow-up, domestic weekend 12, covering the 24th to 26th of March. Uh, saw Jonathan Wick Chapter 4 open for a pretty impressive 73.8 million. Very top heavy box office. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lionsgate getting that money recently. They've been distributing quite a few movies that have been making some nice money. Yeah, that's why they didn't. That's why they've been kind of like uh, lax about stuff like the. Like the Jesus Revolution, some of their other projects. They know, like, when they're hit, their boys hit, they hit. Yeah. And John. Um, that is what we're reviewing hits. later on in the show. So yep. uh, we'll have detailed thoughts on this movie. One, $161 million for John Wick there. Um, yep. Total gross. Shazam! Fury of Gods uh, melts down, much like its its star Zachary Levy is melting down mm-hmm. on social media. Oh, has he really? It, apparently, I haven't seen any of the tweets, but I've seen a few articles about his meltdown being more entertaining than the movie itself. Oh, that kind of sucks. Yeah, what was like? I don't know. Does anyone know what it's about? I guess he's just upset that people are, are slamming the movie. He's like, they didn't they didn't get what we were trying to do or something like that or or he, what's there to yeah. get maybe he's blaming the rock i don't know I, I like i said i never saw any of this shit i just saw mm-hmm. the headlines that he's been having a meltdown i can understand i can understand blaming the rock the rock is i think kind of a dick yeah, i all the when i see like the youtube thought thought piece headlines flowing down my borked feed um what i'm seeing is a lot of headlines that kind of insinuate that like this is the straw that broke the camel's back that made everyone realize that, hey, superhero movies have been shit recently. Uh, yeah, it could be. So they might like, be like, let's... you know, blame it, you know, putting the blame on, again, what we said was a pretty mid movie for, you know, the crimes of, <laughs> the crimes okay, of mediocrity. He's, it's a video. He's, um, he's he's in a room. Uh, okay. Um, he's turning into a werewolf. I'm coming to defense of truth because truth is good, and we should all live in it. Says Levi at the climax of one of his more arousing calls to action to benefit his family. It begins for some reason with him saying "lights by journey," even if it might fly in the face of something we believed before. Uh. The specifics of Levi's grievances will appear totally inconsequential to anyone who doesn't possess a vested interest in the DCEU. 
And given the film's opening domestic gross, you are likely one of those people. So I'll attempt to make as much sense of this as I can. But first, it's going to require some backstory. Basically, in the above click, Levi is agonized about a post-credit scene film for Fury of the Gods featuring a couple members of the Justice League C-Team, Hawkman and Cyclone specifically, two characters who are not going who are not going to be getting their own HBO Max spinoff anytime soon, but did appear in Black Adam. Uh, however, that scene was left on the cutting room floor for some controversial reason. Levi claims that his cross-canon tease was thwarted by another party, and if you've been following the report, that party is probably The Rock. Okay. Um, I did hear but that, uh, that that scene was cut. Yeah. The hierarchy of power of the DC universe, maybe about 116. And uh, we need to live in the truth, he exclaims towards the end of the Um well, I guess I guess most of it is just he's very upset that uh the rock put the kibosh on a cool that. scene and a cool teaser. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe he felt at feels that people are picking sides in this whole rock thing and not seeing the movie because they're signing with it. I don't know. Yeah, the movie just wasn't that great. At the end of the day, yeah, a lot uh, of internal drama that just—it's like it's like boiling a tea kettle at the bottom of the well. None of that shit's gonna get to the top. A hundred and four million dollars worldwide for Shazam Theory of Gods. Not not great. Being eclipsed by John Wick and on on opening weekend. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. All right. Uh Scream Six uh slides down another fifty one point nine percent, eight point three million finding itself in third place. Uh, another another successful movie for Paramount. A uh, $142 million worldwide gross for a movie that I'm sure was made for less than 50 mm-hmm. Um Creed 3, Threed, finds itself in fourth, $8.1 million in its fourth week, uh, leaving theaters a little bit now, down to 3,200 theaters. Uh, but it has managed to bring in almost $250 million worldwide. So uh, nice little little success there i'm sure that if they want to make another one another one will be made 65 finds itself in fifth with mm-hmm. a 3.2 million dollar weekend in its fourth week uh it has brought in 50 million dollars worldwide <laughs> so pretty pretty rough one there for for Sony, and it's already leaving theaters at a decent clip. Yep. All right, we're we're in the purge weeks now. I'd say uh, Quantum Mania's yeah. got two weeks left in theaters. So all of you who said eight weeks, uh, collect your prize at the door. Yeah, it's uh, it's gone past six. This is it's still here. Good God! Only two point four million dollars. Uh, if the box office weren't so top heavy every week, it probably wouldn't sniff the top ten. Mm-hmm. But uh, here we are. I'm just, I'm just thinking like a movie like Ant Man, The Wasp, you know, compared to John Wick. Just John Wick, much much more exciting, much more action. 
bunch more stuff for liking. And then, like, you look down at Ant-Man and the Wasp, but just like, boom, 200 million. Yeah. Just without, thi- like, without thinking. Just like, here's an order of magnitude. It's made 470 million worldwide. Yeah. Uh, cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear. Hot on its heels. Two, two million flat, pretty much, for Cocaine Bear. Uh, that's leaving theaters a decent clip right now, but it's in more theaters than Ant Man, which I find funny. Uh, worldwide, that brought in eighty-one million dollars, so a I'm sure a modest hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus Revolution, one point nine million dollars, not getting the Easter bump that I'm sure they were kind of craving, kind of banking on. Yeah. Um. That has brought in $49.8 million. You know what? I think this is probably a low enough budget movie where that's at least breaking even. Yeah. Because I I really don't feel like, from what I saw, that there's much in the way of effects. And that's where a lot of movies budgets go now. Only a few sets, if I recall correctly. Small core cast, lots of extras type deals. Um. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. Champions finds itself in ninth, uh, 1.5 million dollars for the focus feature feature. Uh, leaving theaters at, at a big clip already in and, and just out. its third week out of 1,100. Quick movie adventure, uh, two weeks in and out. It came. It saw. It made about 16 million bucks, and now it's gone. And rounding up the top 10, we have Avatar The Way of Water, $1.3 million, bringing its worldwide gross to three or $2.31 billion. Tr- yeah, billion, not trillion. <laughs> there you go. It's a lot of zeros, though. It's, it's finally left. And only and 15 weeks is not crazy uh, long. It, no, it's not the longest ever. It, I think it's shorter than the first Avatar, uh, yeah. but it didn't. It failed to reach the box office heights that the first Avatar did. But it still made. It's still Bonkers like the money. third highest grossing movie of all time. So you're gonna see all six Avatar movies. I think. God help us. But my prediction was that I thought this one would do well, and then I predicted the next couple were gonna really struggle. Once people realize, oh yeah, Avatar's not that good, but Way of Water was reviewed pretty positively. So I guess we're the ones taking crazy pills here. Yeah, I'm, we're sitting in the we're sitting on the outside, baby. Uh, the counterculture, the you know. So the keen-eared among you would notice that we didn't pick a spotlight film. Well, the reason for that is that we couldn't find a film that fit our spotlight film criteria. Uh, which is usually uh, either a movie that's opening or in the top 10. A movie we haven't reviewed on the show for a feature or for a previous spotlight and has a a high enough balance of star ratings for us to pull reviews for on IMDb. None of those, none of these, no movies fit this criteria this week. So we decided we were going to solve one of the great mysteries of this podcast and get to the bottom of a movie that we personally really want to get to the bottom of. 
And that is a, a Bollywood movie or an Indian movie, I guess we should say, because there's Tollywood and all these other woods now over there. Mm-hmm. Um, that almost without fail gets brought up in every Indian movie we cover on this show as being the standard bearer for quality Indian cinema, and that is the Kashmir Files. The Kashmir Files. That's right. We're taking a look at the Kashmir Files, and, uh, you know, these people might might be onto something. It's got a, a staggering 8.7 out of 10 IMDb. Mm-hmm. Um... And that's really the only review out there. There are um, quick, quick preface. You know, there's uh, 7,500 reviews by users for this, and like there are maybe 10 of them in in my range in the mids. <laughs> Just overwhelming yeah, high reviews for this. Um, we should also know is that this upon reading these, I think we all realized <laughs> for the first time that this was about a very uh, sensitive and important uh political uh p- piece of history in india yeah it's not a happy story so a lot of the 10 star reviews are just people kind of like having guilt over being from a country that that did this yeah um so i've i had to to filter through quite a bit to find reviews that weren't going to make us sad reading them because this is this is an entertainment podcast. We're here to make you happy. Here to make you think sometimes, but we're not here to make you sad. Um, but I, I feel like I've managed to find some some workable things. And we'll start with uh, Prem Gore. Prem Gore. With, it, with his, uh, the Burninator. Uh, with his 10 out of 10 review of Cashmere Files. Movie Premie Honest Review, uh, submitted March 13th, 2022. Undoubtedly the best film of 2022 till now. It tells the story of victims of the genocide of Kashmiri Pandanti, Pandit in 1990. Highlights, colon, facts, comma, casting, comma, dialogues, comma, the speech by Darshan Kumar. Comma, brave direction, comma, Anupam Kahir, comma, and the betrayal of pain and suffering of the Kashmiri pandits. That's a highlight. <laughs> Trust me, this masterpiece will hit you hard and you won't stop thinking about it. Highly recommended. Exclamation mark, heart emoji. I love 1632 out of 1841. Found that helpful. <laughs> Ooh. A lot Hitting of numbers. These, that's numbers. That I've never seen that number before. <laughs> well, I got numbers for you. I got okay. low numbers. I got all the low numbers. Uh, so I got low numbers like one out of ten. That's a low number. The lowest numbers. Uh, Wal Sid said... The Cashmere Files, a masterpiece of misrepresentation and mediocrity. All right, no accents here. Totally straight-faced. I recently was... I'm just kidding, no worries. April Fool's, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Can cancel me? Um, cancel me. It was I a recently prank, watched. <laughs> I recently watched The Cashmere Files, and I must say, it was an utter disappointment. 
The movie portrays the Muslims of Kashmir in a negative light and perpetuates the narrative that they are responsible for the violence and turmoil in the region. The film is heavily influenced by disinformation, which distorts the facts and misrepresents the historical events. The plot is weak and predictable, lacking any depth and nuance. The film attempts to address the sensitive topic of the Kashmir conflict, but fails miserably in presenting a balanced perspective. The film script is filled with cliches and stereotypes, and the characters are one-dimensional and unconvincing. The narrative lacks a coherence and fails to provide a clear understanding of the complex issues involved in the complex uh, in the conflict. The acting is subpar, with most of the cast delivering wooden performances. The dialogue is stilted and lacks emotional depth required to connect with the audience. The cinematography is mediocre, with some shots appearing poorly lit and framed. The director fails to bring any creative flair to the film, resulting in a lackluster and unengaging viewing experience. In terms of music, the film relies heavily on jingoistic score that is meant to rouse patriotic sentiment in the audience. However, the music feels manipulative and out of place, and it fails to complement the visuals. In conclusion... The Cashmere Files is a disappointing film that fails to live up to its potential. The disinformation by the film is evident and the negative portrayal of Muslims of Kashmir, uh, which is both inaccurate and harmful. The film lacks the depth and nuance required to address the sensitive issues, such as the Kashmir conflict. The weak plot, subpar acting, mediocre cinematography, and forgettable music make this a forgettable movie that should be avoided. One out of six. Found that helpful. But... But you say I mean, you say patriotism with... in my Indian cinema? No, that couldn't <laughs> yeah. happen. That doesn't sound right. Like that, you're saying that at the end of RR, there was there was like some sort of patriotic musical number that was like a <laughs> Captain America skit, but for India, couldn't have been. Um, from from uh, Bosali Shubham four eight six seven four. Uh, four out of ten. Uh, acting and direction are flop side. Film on Kashmir genocide, nineteen ninety, could be better than this film. Film become boring actually when it come to acting and direction. Kashmir Hindu genocide could shown by so much better ways, but only God knows what were director thinking while making this film. He could have shown a little bit background for movie so it could become more real. 18 out of 97. Hmm. All righty. From Rahul Wadhwani, uh, from the book of Rahul Wadhwani, uh, chapter 52, uh, verse 617, comes a 10 out of 10 review of the Kashmir Files. Masterpiece. Masterpiece. And that's the one in like full width font, right? No, it's 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 not. I I thought about that one, but this one I think had a little more meat on its bones. It is masterpiece in all caps. Okay. Okay. March 13, 2022. I can't describe the Cashmere Files in words. Its movie is beyond anyone's review. <laughs> Before watching the movie, I was damn sure that Vivek Aganhatri, 
I gave him my best shot. We'll give proper justice to all the Kashmiri pandits and we'll present the real picture and now, after watching this movie, surpass my all ex- all the expectations. <laughs> watching this movie surpassed my all the expectations. Yes, okay, that was written <laughs> incorrectly. After watching this movie, I was like stunned, comma. It was like a very bad dream to experience all the trauma, T R O M A. Oh, my favorite studio. That all the, <laughs> all the cashmere pandas bear. It was brutal. It was hard hitting. It was engaging. The director done perfect picturization on the subject, like Hindu pan hates genocide. Each and every actor done perfect justice to their role. <laughs> Yeah, Southern. First 20 minutes and last 15 minutes were main highlight in this movie. Every Indian should definitely watch this movie. I relate. I rated this movie higher than any every movie. For me, hashtag the Cashmere Files, five out of five star, no doubt about it. 822 out of 923. Found that helpful. <laughs> okay. All right. We got moviegoer82 saying one out of ten. This is no art. Now the other one was beautifully written. But is it Joan Dark? <laughs> this one is is equally as beautifully written, um, just in a different sense. This is no art. <coughs> Makers have taken an unfortunate event and distorted it to do something mischievous. Multiple non-relative incidents of the history are combined to build in a script to build a narrative which is not good, either for the movie or the audience. Movies based on history should be faithful, chronological, and true to the actual events happened. While presenting this story, let's come to the implementation side. Direction is average, so are the dialogues. Mithun and Nupam Kerr are doing overacting for long. They should stick to comedy role only. Darshan Kumar, who played the role of Krishna, is the only good thing happened to this movie. He is a good actor. Avoidable! Watch it on your own risk. 21 out of 68 found helpful. Wowzers. Um... Mischievous. How that got 21 people out of 68 and the other one got one out of six? You never know. Baffles me. Finally, we've got um, Nitinbo Nitinbo Ngade. Uh, However, apologies. Uh, With five out of ten. Nice movies, but writer likes to write one-sided story. Good movie, but it did not show the whole truth. Yes, it have had great moment captured. It is wannabe flies slash too much exaggeration of events. If you compare in Schindler's List scale, this stands three, four star only. 29 out of 351. Found that helpful. (laughs) Couldn't imagine why. Uh, It was succinct. I'll give it that. (laughs) Um, So, yes, the... uh, that's the Cashmere Files, and that's the follow-up. Wow. wow. Let's talk now about some 
gaming news, and I'll 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 try to go go last because because my my news is sad. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. I'll... We got uh, a good chunk of the we got the rest of the story from March of the Machines out. Uh, from Magic yep. the yeah, what a great, what a great story. I don't know great... if you all read the stories for that. I I read, I read enough story. <laughs> I, I read uh, what I assume is the good part. Because um, apparently the the writing is is getting a lot of praise. Uh, the setup was awesome. I, I didn't a whole lot of... Yeah, payoff was not. Setup was great. <laughs> the Elspeth coming back as a archangel, fantastic. Uh, liked it. Um, I guess what they kind of did was they they half-assed some of the the stakes. So so some there's two teams out there. There's one team that says they couldn't kill off certain people, and then there are another team that says no, the stakes were were met and fully delivered because they're the amount of people who are dead, quote unquote dead. Mm-hmm. But they had to like save a couple people, which was like. I think most everybody had like kind of accepted the fact that they were dead, like Nahiri and Sarkhan and Nissa. Yeah, they are like alive. They were able to pull back like decomplete people, which kind of feels and wrong. They did that, <laughs> and they pulled so, the the uh, the Phantom Menace droid controller uh, ending, where when they beat the bad guys, the oil broadcast throughout the multiverse <laughs> shut off and the Frexians all just shut off. I mean, but how else are you going to do that? I, I don't know. They also borrowed the, well, um, they also borrowed like the, the final defeat of um, like new Frexia from Dr. Who by like sealing them in a pocket dimension. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I like the fact that like they brought some cool stuff into it. Uh, Zelfir, yep. uh, the plane of Zelfir, which was, which the backstory is a lot cooler than like what you see in the carbs because uh, the first invasion of um, first time Frexians invaded other planes, um, Zelfir was like phased out into mm-hmm. a pocket reality. That was, that was what twenty right before like they were going to, fifteen years ago IRL. Tw- twenty years ago and and then they phased back like they phased out right before they were going to mm-hmm. battle. Okay, and then they phase back in, like Teferi gets them back in right as they're about to like fight and the they new do the Phyrexians. portal scene from Endgame. So they're like, they're like, wait, what the fuck? <laughs> like you're different. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're still going in for the battle. The Zalfiran army comes in from time. the portals to fight Thanos. I mean the Phyrexians. Uh, yeah, it's just. Uh, <laughs> Magic has had a problem for a while now, actually going back to when I started playing the game, of not being able to finish a story in a satisfying conclusion. They've built some good stories. Like, very recently they had two, like, setups that actually had me excited from a story perspective. And I'm not that into Magic story, but uh, War of the Spark, like, everything up to the actual story around War of the Spark. Choice, yeah. Was fucking awesome. And yeah. then the actual resolution to War of the Spark was just like so nothing Fairly happened. Bad. No, well, Gideon's the only one who died, and like Odomri Raid died. Oh, or Nicobolus and and Ugin just like go play patty cake in alternate dimension, which surely he will not escape from. No, sir. 
Um, yeah. yeah, that that Never novel like killed magic novels going forward. Um, well, there was also like a weird thing with like China, um, where they had to like tone it down for right. Chinese the audiences. Infamous um, d- and infamous Chandra Nissa scene, like lovers. They really hit. Um, which they brought back for this one because now it's not a book that they're selling mm-hmm. in China. Right, they can finally yeah, and like make them. You go back, kiss, kiss now. You go back even further and fucking Oath of Gatewatch. What kind of started this whole thing where mm-hmm. they just blow up the Eldrazi with Channel Fireball? Oh, geez, no one ever thought to do that before. <laughs> Hit him really hard we ju- this we ju- time. We just left Zendikar to die because we couldn't figure out how to generate all his mana for our fireball spell. I we couldn't pump 20 in that to kill Ulamog. To be fair, um, with that one, I'll, I'll, I'll at least give the benefit of a doubt because like they, they explained it as Ugin was like not sure if it floated into something when it died. You know, <laughs> didn't have does it have any LTB triggers? For the multiverse, if we um, if we kill him, Um, Eldritch Moon was a pretty good, was a better resolution where they put Embercruel in the moon. Yeah, what was I? Fuck, what was I gonna say? So the other thing was um, so kind of like bringing back to like the stakes thing, where like people dying and not dying. There's a good amount of like characters that are dying, but um, Amazon has been doing this really weird thing where it spoils. A, a pretty important part of like magic by just releasing product and like releasing box art that they I guess are allowed to but should they maybe not I don't know probably um, if you go to their Amazon page uh, for uh, Magic the Gathering you see a banner at the bottom for the it's an ad for March the Machine the Aftermath uh, which is a set that's coming like directly after March of the Little Machine. Little mini set. That yeah. says join de-sparked planeswalkers as they rebuild what remains of the multiverse. So maybe that's the stakes is that some of the more important people like a Johnny, Nissa, and Karn. Um Karn, because Karn had to give up mm-hmm. his uh his spark. Robot um, Daddy. We're gonna have like print com- incoming. Yeah, I was about to say, can we get another Karn Silver Golem card? Yeah, maybe. Maybe that's what we're going to get. Um, um, but yeah, this I think a, a lot of it also, I think people are kind of upset because the last time a intrepid crew of heroes took on the Phyraxians, like, they all died. Like, everyone on the Weather Light crew died, pretty much. Yeah. Except for, like, I want to say, like, Cissé. Um, so people yeah. are kind of like, uh, you know, last time these beloved heroes who I think canonically were as strong or stronger than the current ones, um, fucking took a, went up against the Phyrexians, which at that time I think were canonically weaker. I will say, I, th- I think they did a good job in like showing a good amount of the devastation during All Will Be One, where... Um, they just like retconned a lot of it, mm-hmm. which I think was not the best idea. I think having um, having Nissa, having Nahiri, um, kind of just die, and Ajani too, who's been completed for a while now, uh, have them come back kind of like unscathed or like de-sparked, is a little like um, 
lesser, but there's a, a big ass laundry list still of like main characters that people mm-hmm. love uh, that may have had one appearance or whatever um, that are that are actually getting uh, killed off mm-hmm. to an extent. This, um, like Atali. And... Yeah, yeah, Atali made me sad. <laughs> Atali, you got um, the. the you got the the big wolf on Keldheim and uh, Toski, the squirrel. Um, that are but Toski's indestructible. <laughs> That's why he's perfect. Um, yeah, in terms of the set too, um, it's definitely it. That's where all the end game. I stood up and clapped in the theater moments are because it's got all the team up cards. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, yeah, they're fun. They're definitely fun designs. We loved fucking Yargle and Multani. Fun. And uh, we've built all Yargo Multani, and I'm I'm working on Gitrog and Thalia. <laughs> yep. Kogala and Yadaro are totally going into my uh Kari Zev and Brawl. Um just, that's the one I'm building or I wanna build. I'm vibing with that. You just got we got Inga and Essica, and it is a a chariot being pulled by cats riding on a rainbow, and that's fucking that's the awesome. literal yeah, oh my it's gonna be. They're gonna make nine cat altars or nyan cat altars. <laughs> remember that meme? Care kids today who do not remember that meme. And <laughs> maybe that's for the best. Maybe. Um, First strike and menace. I haven't seen the barrel and cards I've got them right now. And it. So you remember, like it's. It gives all the cards in your hand like the expertise pseudo mechanic from. Uh, right. Dash. Yeah. Oh, then we also found out what uh, battle yeah. is going to be. That's kind of the big gaming change to this is uh, they introduced a new uh, card type called battle. Um, and it is uh, like the invasion of all the planes by Frexia um, that will enter the battlefield under your nope. opponent's control. Nope. It, enter- and- it comes under your control, but you choose an opponent to protect it. Yeah. Oh. So... I thought like they get it, you get the benefits of it. Nope. You but, like, you, you hold on to the permanent. On, like... They you just target oh, them. Okay. So when so anyone who is not them can attack the battle. Okay. Um Okay. So they they just right. defend it. Which is weird. You would expect it to like come under maybe not their control, but like the on their side of the field, kind of. Mm-hmm. Because it like is weird then, that you have to attack. I think your it's own so that thing. when it's transformed and cast, you're the one casting it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. It's yeah, and you it get you seems get the to me the like it's just a, a mechanical. Like it, it, I agree. It does seem a little unintuitive, but I think that's just how it mechanically has to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it'll okay. it'll be important that's for fine. when they do other types of battles because right now I think the only one is the siege. So if they have like a holdout battle where you have to keep a hold of your battle and you become the protector. Oh, I get right. Different yeah. types of battles. Oh, that'd be cool. So, yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. And they, yeah, they all, at least all these ones, flip into something when, when they die, or when they're completed. But the question is, how good is the completed or the flip side really gonna? Is it gonna be worth it for some of these? Um, as Seth pointed out, because Seth, uh, better known as Saffron Olive, he sees ET, he sees an ETB effect and he just pops off. He explodes like a firework. He's never met an ETB effect. Doesn't love. So he immediately saw yeah. these and said, "Why do I ever want to flip them? It's ETB effects on permanence. Yeah. 
I just want to cast these forever. Uh, like the like the blue yeah. white Zalfir one, the invasion of Zal, or yeah, the invasion of uh, New Phyrexia, which just makes X tutus. You know, based on what you pay, yeah. which is like really good for a token generator, because like it's only it's a white and a blue and X, and X, that's like yeah. we already have like white white X one one generators with like Marshall Coup and uh, was it White Sun's Twilight. Um, Mm-hmm. So having them be two twos in a relevant creature type uh, is very strong, and you're essentially um, you're essentially allowing your opponent to prevent you from getting your Teferi, or um, you know giving them and also possibly giving them six life by not attacking them directly, um, because you'd have to divert your damage towards this instead. Just so you can get a planeswalker, that is, mm-hmm. and you know, not terrible, but also not. I don't know if it, it's like gonna be night that tribal. Great. Ooh. Um, meanwhile, I, my mind immediately went to history of Benalia, which was on its own as just as its own card, um, pretty bonkers in its standard format. It was a saga yeah. that uh, chapters one and two make a white knight with vigilance and chapter three knights you control get plus two plus one until end of turn now limited all-star knights in yep more than limited yeah standard too and this will slot right into that deck yeah um my side note side note on on uh this so far uh of course the praetors are crazy those those flip praetors are nutso um but I don't think I don't think they're all that amazing to be. I I think um, Vornklex and Shieldred are kind of uh, lackluster. Shieldred is lackluster. Um, the one that swings I, I for Shieldred's thirty not. on its second <laughs> chapter. You it flips and you make five two twos and then you give everything plus one plus one and double strike. Oh, Shieldred, the yeah, black it's... one. Sorry, I was thinking of that. Shieldred, yeah. No, yeah, Alice Norn I think is fine. I think Alice Norn is fine. Let's see. Menace, um, when Shieldred enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a non-token creature or planeswalker. That's not bad. It's Fleshback Marauder, though. Uh, 4B, exile Shieldred, then return it to the battlefield, transform only activate as sorcery. Scripture of Truth, Chapter 1. For each opponent, destroy target creature or planeswalker that player controls. Each opponent discards three cards and mills three. That's, that's pretty strong. Uh, Exile Shieldred and return it to the battlefield. Transformed, return all creatures in your graveyards to the battlefield. All creatures in all graveyards. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty good. Yeah, but it's an investment of like ten mana, um, and you have to wait. Turn you play it. Uh, turn you. But it does kind of like indirectly buy you that time though, because you when it enters the battlefield you yeah. They sack off a creature. You get to destroy a target creature, or planeswalker, when it flips, and then you pull them off resources because you you strip rip three cards out of their hands, mills whatever. That just gives you more targets for the the third chapter. Yeah, I mean there there might be some treasure inclusion that if you can ramp really quickly by like turn five or six, and like play it, transform it right away. 
you actually might be able to pull off some crazy shit or maybe you would throw it in a, a blue black i could break this card where if they <laughs> I'm pretty confident I if could. they try to destroy it here. he's ready um um the Vornklex was okay. It's a five drop for six six trample reach. Uh, grab two forest cards, um, put them in your hand. It's eight to transform, and that I mean the abilities of the saga are pretty good, but eight to transform that's, it. That's asking a lot. So you can, yeah. Uh, so you can mill ten um, and then put two creatures um, onto the battlefield. Uh, chapter two seven one one counters among target creatures you control. And then um, until the end of turn, creatures you control get plus one. I think they fight. They yeah. fight something. Um, so, I mean, not bad, but again, is it worth a five and then eight to transform it? Um, maybe good for that, like, just mm-hmm. ramping, getting those two forests, really ramping you up. And maybe the next um, the next uh, Vornklex you get yeah. out. Yeah, it helps um, you ramp it and, like... Not for nothing. Six six trample reach for five. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah. As I was saying before, we got off on this tangent though. That was not my favorite part about this set. Um, the team ups are great, but you know, I I I have my little pet blue my my small scale blue cards that are my pet cards. Always love them. And my favorite one in this set is uh, Xerex Strobe Knight. It's just a, it's just a it's so fun and weird, and I'm about it because I want to go to Xerex. They're never gonna do it, but from the two cards and like three cards that I've seen of Xerex, I absolutely want to go to this plane because it is the it is the weird plane of like surrealism. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's the cool thing about those battle cards that you're seeing all these planes that you've never heard of. Invasion of Moag. Um, and then there was uh the there was like a furnace plane. There's uh invasion of Ergamon. That was yep. And that was a deep cut uh, from was... like a story from 1996 when they were <laughs> releasing the stories with the original sets. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So a lot of like those kind of cuts there... and you know only, things that are references in like the plane chase sets. Um. Like what the fuck's uh Carsis? Invasion of Carsis looks yeah. awesome. Um, yeah, these are gonna be these are gonna be cool cards and like um, hints toward where we can go in the future. Uh, my favorite referee squad, the little homunculus oh, referees. <laughs> Let me fuck. You gotta put that. Yeah, I gotta find a link. Is for that, that from like the Battle Bomb plane? It sure looks like. I also it. like Invasion of Fiora because it's a battle that flips into a creature that wins more battles. <laughs> Oh yeah, referee right. squad's looking hype. Today. Yeah, so that's that's March okay. of the Machines spoiler stuff. Uh, Peter, yeah, you had alluded to a fun story. I will intercede your uh, story about the death of an icon um, with my own story about the death of an icon. Sonic, Sonic is dead. They killed Sonic. So sad. Um, yep. In this game, the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. Released by Sega, um, this is their this is their April Fool's um, content. Um, it's a free to play visual novel that I believe was a fan game. As you know, as Sega does, they'll take a fan creator, be like, "Hey, make this actual project for us. We will publish it for you." 
Um, yeah, which is I, I much prefer that attitude to Nintendo's, where we will sue you into shutting down your product. Get our fucking Mario name out of your mouth, or we'll, we'll or else we'll put some caps. Yeah, we'll in send those. Will Smith to slap you. So I guess Amy's hosting a murder mystery party on the the train from Mirage Saloon, but Sonic dies. But for real, um, and then you have to solve the mystery as your own. Uh, you know, classic, the, the new Sonic trend of the self-insert uh, character. The trend that's been done once. Yes. Trend is still, can go in any direction. And now we know <laughs> it's going forward. Arrow pointing up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's on Steam. It's free. It'll probably, it's one of those games that probably will take like, I don't know, two hours, three hours maybe. Enough that you can if stream so. it all at once. And maybe we'll do that maybe. at some point. At some point. Um, yeah. So sad times. E3, uh, which was planned to return this year, has officially been canceled, and uh, the whole thing pretty much has been been laid to rest now due to a lack of interest from major publishers. Um, E3 started in 1995 as as a humble trade show and then it grew and grew and grew to become more and more of a spectacle and uh for for many years we would have an episode of this show dedicated to recapping all the news coming out of e3 yep and uh that's not going to happen anymore and we remember all the awkward press conference moments from my body is ready to (laughs) people not not being able to get the game or the product to function yep. Whatever, correctly. You know, there's always a favorite gaffe that came out of these. But as we saw last year, like the last couple of years, um, it's been getting quieter and quieter because Nintendo yeah. started the trend because they were never one to do, you know, they never wanted to participate in like any of this shit. So as soon as they figured out they, they could do the Nintendo Direct as a concept, they they just jumped right the fuck on it, and they had a rousing success, which inspired. Was others then to copied the by Sony with the state of play and all that stuff. And by the time we got to 2020, with the COVID shutting down E3, I mean it was already had already weakened considerably before then. But that was kind of the final nail because everything went remote, and every publisher was like, "Why spend a ton of money?" on an elaborate E3 presentation and, you know... Where we can fuck up in front of an audience. Yeah, why not just release a rehearsed, produced, and edited video about all our upcoming releases around the same time for, like, a tenth of the money? And it makes a lot of sense when you think about it like that, but E3 was, was more than just a trade show by the end. It was... It was kind of like a, a a New Year's party for the industry. You know, like everyone mm-hmm. came with their new stuff. Everyone got excited about what was coming up for the next year. Uh, it's where we got our first look at games that were going to come out. And, you know, they looked a lot better. And they sometimes came out looking not so great or didn't come out at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the case of Duke Nukem Forever. You'd love to see it. <laughs> for many years. <laughs> Um, you know, Daikatana, shit like that. Um, fucking just 
tons of great memories Classic of titles. E3 shows yep. of yesteryear. And like, I think this hurts indie devs quite a bit, actually. Right. I mean, they have Penny Arcade. They have packs. Yeah, that's true. But it's not quite... You don't have the level of industry professionals going to packs that you did E3. Mm-hmm. So, like, indie people were, were there not only to show off their game, like, to sell it to, to people, like, direct-to-consumers, but, like, to sell it to larger companies and distributors. Um, and I think not having that gathering to to kind of make that sales pitch is gonna gonna hurt some indie developers in the long run i mean indie development is in the best place i can ever remember it right now like a lot of great indie titles are getting published and making a lot of money um i'm playing pizza tower right now it's fantastic yep it's a it's a Um, beautiful time yeah it's a great time for for e3 but a sad time for get or for indie games yeah not a great time to be E3 right now. Sad time for for gamers, I think, because uh, you know, never again will we we all be able to come together and get hype for releases and clown some of the awkward presentations and force celebrity tie-ins that everyone in the audience had no idea who the celebrity was supposed to be. Yeah, because um, uh, everyone's <laughs> the thing about this is like everyone is going to want you to not pay attention to anyone else so we'll never have them at the same time um which is the yeah, thing and so many legendary moments even from the first e3 where when sony came out after sega and said playstation is a hundred dollars less to uh microsoft's terrible 2013 uh xbox one presentation where they focus more about uh, television and video games and Sony just slam dunking them with like this is how you share used games on PlayStation 4 <laughs> and handing the box over I, I mentioned the my body is ready but also I think at that same Nintendo press conference or right afterwards Miyamo going oh and one more thing and then the Breath of the Wild trailer yeah. dropping or whatever it was just like as an afterthought uh, oh so good um, yeah, like, I'm going to miss yeah. it. I'm going to miss it now that it's gone. And the other thing is, like, it's not even going to be one event. Like, Nintendo is, again, being pioneers of this. They've they've taken it to the extreme where it's just, like, they just kind of drop one every few months. Yeah, it's a constant drip-free of information, which, yeah, it, it, from a standpoint of, like, being able to take it all in, sure, maybe that's better, but from... A hype generation standpoint it's just not quite the same because you're like oh a new nintendo direct oh this looks cool but like you knew e3 was coming and you were thinking like oh what's going to be at e3 this year what kind of crazy shit we're going to say we're going to get new, new hardware with, announced with two or three titles right yeah whereas like two or three that you care about and then like a bunch of like clip shows of you know the 15 other smaller games that they're putting out right. from second party now, studios it's only you know there's only ever really going to be one item on any any uh, game direct from any of these studios right they'll have like their one feature and then all the other ones yeah so i'm going to be the odd man out and say that i'm not um too crazy on e3 uh, I I don't I don't really care that E3 is 
not coming back. I mean, we had a little bit of a different one during COVID where nothing was in person. It was all online. And that kind of showed that you could have the same thing without putting up a large amount of like capital um, into like renting out this big center and having them all show up. Um, and, and a lot of what I remember from E3 were kind of like false promises, which is not necessarily going to That's stop. part of the fun. That's <laughs> True, it, uh, par- partially true. To go back and riff on the fact that uh, Anthem looked like uh, an amazing game, and then uh, they are, I think, so, I think about to close shop on Anthem. Um, you know, and, Anthem and, did and not exist when, when they showed that trailer off. That's yeah. the craziest part when, about that story. Yeah, <laughs> when you show Cuphead, and seven, eight years later, you get a release. Um, same with like cyberpunk and shit like that. And it's like, Hey, look at all these games that we're going to get you hyped for, but no telling when it's going to even be out. I'd almost rather them wait until it's closer to being done than have like maybe a studio be forced into every single year showing something from their, uh, that they're working on Mm -hmm. and, uh, giving like false hope. Cause it's kind of sets companies up for like disaster, when they're forced to show something that might just be strictly um, conceptual, and they're like, "Hey, you know, this is our concept stuff," and, but you know, everybody always takes that for truth. Like, like that's um, all we have to base it off. What was that uh, Zelda game, right? Where they, it was, I think it turned into Twilight Princess, um, but they showed those early kind of concepts, and people weren't, they just weren't sure what to do with it. I don't know. That's that's very vague. Zelda. A lot yeah, of Zelda games get shown off at E3. That sort of thing happen happen quite a bit, but you know, for for good and bad moments like that, you know, it's just it's it's something that's going to be taken from the industry. And like, I think having a trade show from a kind of a broader point, having a trade show like that, it was. I think it was more important in the mid '90s to kind of legitimize the video game industry as like a legitimate industry mm-hmm. uh, obviously that's not a concern anymore it's the biggest media revenue generator in the world well and i wonder if other industries are going to get bigger like if pax is gonna have to start compensating for the indie developers not having a voice and they'll adjust accordingly and increase the size of their indie uh, mm-hmm. portion of it you know, and, uh, it sounds weird, but <laughs> it sounds weird. But if it gets too big and PAX is like, ah, oh, we have to, uh, you know, come up with a whole nother PAX just for indie developers, <laughs> just like they did with like yeah. board games, or that's how PAX Unplugged was created. Was the their board game section of PAX was so big and so popular that they just created a whole another conference for that. Yeah, so that's how you came up with PAX Unplugged. So could we end up getting like a Pax Indie Into or Paxtent. A, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pax E3. Into Paxton stay. Pax 3. Pax 3. Pax, Pax, Pax. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Or, or PPP, the, the Pax P3. practical. <laughs> yeah. Pax platform presentation. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's gaming news. Let's let's talk now about Jonathan Wickerton. 
Yeah. The fourth. Jonjamin Widgenmansons. Um so this is it's kind of a a weird I mean I guess it's not that weird I'm but I'm lost for words now. Um um uh, it, it's a John Wick movie, right? Like it doesn't yeah. do anything to surprise you necessarily. Um but I think this movie more so than chapters two or three was a better example of like what I want a high budget action movie to try to do. Like when I, when I give an action movie a lot of money, I don't want to see more explosions or more CGI or more like crazy, stupid Tom Cruise right. Mission Impossible stunts. Well, actually, maybe maybe some of those. But like, what this movie did is it used the money it had to create uh, either novel or or kind of like creative. interesting and, and different creative shots and sequences and set pieces. Like, there's there's a yeah. portion. There's a couple scenes in this movie where the camera angle shifts and it's it's just fucking hotline miami that was and the i'm iconic fucking here for that yeah. that was amazing and was, i i loved a lot of the like you know i i i i sung daredevil's praises to the moons for the hallway fights and there were there were some similar kind of shots with with this too where it was like cameras was dead on and there was action scaling back into the fore and backgrounds as as it came um yeah um go ahead sorry uh, i was to say um just uh to like continue on that when when you're kind of beginning that portion i was thinking of what what do i need from a john wick movie and it seems like all the john wick movies have to have like a a like a unique setting um find a unique way to like kill people with um like guns and stuff um and then just kind of over the top action and then good fight choreography um and this i mean this movie hit all three right yeah, on the head yeah this movie you have, you have really memorable like set pieces that are burned in now and like i will always remember the 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 like the, the loop in france Arc de triomphe like, probably a, a yeah, Arc de Triomphe. Like that whole setting, even though it went on for a good while, a little, that little long. Whole setting maybe. was very cool, very cool. I, I mean, it's just like also mention. It made no fucking sense. Like you would imagine, people would like stop and be like, "Let me yeah. exchange insurance <laughs> with world. you." But yeah, no. Um, I will kind of segue that. Is that I what I one of the things I liked in particular about this movie was like the dark humor. Like this was a funnier movie than I thought it was gonna be. Um, it definitely it it plays it straight, which is which I like and kind of adds to it. Um, but I was giggling, I was giggling during the movie. It kind of it yeah. kind of felt like almost like a Naked Gun kind of deal, or like an Austin Powers. <laughs> um, in in some respects, yeah, I think some of that is just you and I kind of have a warped sense of humor, mm-hmm. and when we go to the movies together. Uh, we feed off the stupid shit that makes us laugh, but no one else laugh, mm-hmm. and that kind of creates this this feedback loop. But uh, this, yeah, this was a fair, much more complete movie. I feel than the last two were. Um, 
the action I think was a lot better. They they definitely upped the uh, the choreography budget, and they they did away with all the gimmicky kills in that were in chapter three, like the horse kill. Like it seemed like they wanted to make a video game, and they had all the environmental interactions <laughs> mapped out, and they put those in the movie. Uh, this was more straightforward well, you know, action. You know what's funny is is when they when they revealed like the like when I when I mentioned like they always got to have like a unique way to like off somebody in this movie and I saw Dragonfire as like the shotgun shells I'm like there it is mm-hmm. there it is like we had the pencil and we had like the weird stuff. they brought the pencil back which was, was awesome like, <laughs> they did yeah Donnie Yen using the pencil was was fantastic but the Dragonfire I'm like what movies done Dragonfire like. No, I I can't name like one single movie that's used Dragonfire shells, even though it's been around for a while, at least in like mm-hmm. video games. And they did a great job of using it, and um, the fact that they implemented that with that top-down perspective shot in that one building in France, fantastic use of like area and scale to be able to show you the full effects of it, because so many times they'll just like cut away or show you a little bit of it because they don't want to like animate or CG it or special effects it all in. Um, and, and now you get the full effect of it and it just, it adds a, a level of weight that every other action movie out there kind of pales in comparison. Yeah, this definitely, it's a, it was a huge step up in terms of, of action. Like I, this is probably, in terms of action, the best action that they've done in any of the John Wick movies. And, you know, I, I'd have to really think about a movie that did action like this better. Um, I'd probably have to reach back like 20 or 30 years if I even come up with anything. And I don't know. This is, this is fantastic. And I think part of it is because uh, Keanu Reeves does most of his stunts. I think he did like ninety percent of his stunts. Yeah, you always see those TikToks yeah. of him out on the gun range doing the tactical uh, walkthrough. Yeah, and in some some cases you could kind of see me where he's he's getting up on sixty. Yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't quite move like he used to, but it they shot around it very well. Everything was very well choreographed. I don't know if Donnie Yen being on the movie is responsible for the increase in fight choreography quality, but I'm sure it didn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Could be. I mean, definitely could be. I mean, that they did a lot of good I'm, stuff with him, and a lot of the good choreography, choreographed scenes are yeah. with him. I couldn't imagine too. doing a fight scene where he's on the cast and you don't like pull him into the room to at least give it oh. like a once over. <laughs> yeah, right. He definitely has puts input in on it. I I guarantee you that. Like that's how he that's how he broke into the industry. I believe is mm-hmm, he yeah. was a, a choreographer. And you know he was really good at what he did. So they they like let's put you in front of the camera, and that's how you know his his career got launched yeah. in Hong Kong. And he play again. He, I love his character in this. His He's character is like fucking just doesn't give a shit about any of this. Yeah. He just wants to wants to be done with his obligation here. And that plays they play it both for comedy and for drama. Um, yeah, there's actually a really great scene. Like this has 
the best character work outside of the original John Wick, I feel. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe arguably better. I haven't seen the first one in a while. I just know that, that the scope of that story is a lot easier to digest versus the high table, secret society, cloak yeah. and dagger stuff they Which, introduced in the second. I think, you know, putting a face on all of that with Bill Skarsgård's character um, was a good move for sure. Yeah. Cause now, and now there was a bad guy. There's a there's the one bad guy you could um, look at. And that, not to say that each of these movies didn't have their own main main antagonists, but this one more than the others felt like a final boss. Yeah. And uh, what I was what I was getting to is there's a great scene which Peter actually went to the bathroom for. Um, <laughs> or no, he went to go get a popcorn refill. Yes, because this is a long movie. It it's like, two hours and fifty minutes. Uh, it yeah. doesn't drag ever. I don't feel, but there's definitely some instances where you're like, okay, maybe this this scene went on a little longer than it had to. Uh, yeah, the fighting scene. Some of the fighting scenes went on for like twenty minutes. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, I mean, like the last half hour of the um, movie was essentially. Set- one string of different fight scenes. They change settings a lot, yeah. and they change kind of the premise to keep things fresh. Um, but still, that was pretty consistent from like the entire the the night before the duel um, was one thing. Yeah. Um, and fun fun note there, um, detail movie details. <laughs> um, the the radio that the lady. Uh, the radio call name that the la- the DJ lady um, calls out when that starts is WXIA, uh, which is Wushu, which is a genre of Chinese action film. So think like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Right? Well, Wushu is also a discipline of martial art. Yeah. It's it's a branch of Kung Fu, a fork of Kung Fu. Yeah. So very, very cute little uh, uh, addition there. Yeah, and the the scene I was, I'm still trying to get at to is uh, Donnie Yen and and Keanu Reeves in in the church on the night before the duel, and they mm-hmm. have a very a personal talk. And you know, John's talking to his wife, and he's like, "Do you think she can hear you?" And he's like, "Do you?" And Donnie Yen's carries like the dead are gone, and something like that. And Keanu admits he doesn't think that she can hear him, and he's like, "So why bother?" He's like. Well, what if I'm wrong? Yeah. And you're like, oh, wow. I did not expect that emotional moment from this movie. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Uh, and then you have top, the... Top-notch action. Yep. Well, because I think we're, we're getting to a point where it's kind of hard for us to dance around spoilers. And we've already kind of mm-hmm. alluded to some. Uh, so I'll just give general thoughts here before we get into the spoiler portion. Uh, excellent movie. Uh, if you are a fan of the action genre, you will not see a better action movie this year or probably next year. Um, and it is a movie that I think benefits from being seen in the theaters because uh, the sound sound design is really good. Uh, the, the cinematography is a lot easier to appreciate on the big screen. Um, just a, a top-notch action movie. It's a it's a little long, so make sure you get the large popcorn. Yep. Um, and uh, I I highly recommend it. I that's probably 
Probably my favorite movie we've watched this year so far in theaters. Okay. Um, I I wouldn't go as far as Kurt, but I still like that movie a lot. Um, it puts everything in the right place. It does what it does what you want it to do, which is something that is a, it's a bit of a rare quality you see, especially in in pop movies and action movies uh, in this day and age. Um, nary nary a step missed, um, and the the pro you know the uh, critiques of it I think can go above the lines of um, you know nitpicking and like plot snipe you know plot holes you know yeah there's i mean there there's definitely some stuff that doesn't quite jive but it's the stuff you you're not going to a john wick movie for yeah 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 uh super entertaining movie uh really enjoyed a lot of it um fight scenes maybe i'd say the only critique or just maybe i don't even know if it's a critique it's just something to note is that the, some of the fighting scenes go on for a long ass time um and it was a joy to watch all of it. Um, the choreography was done really, really well. Um, you don't see a lot of these fights that have the weight of like exhaustion, like we've seen in like Daredevil. Yeah. So that that's a a really high praise to this, um, and I would definitely recommend it. All right, let's talk spoilers. So um, I did not expect the movie to end with the level of finality that it did. <laughs> yeah, I thought they were like, you know, whenever they talk about this movie and they ask about sequels, they're like, yeah, we're going to make them till no one wants to anymore. And I guess they hit that. Mm-hmm. I hit that point. Yeah, I mean, like like you pointed out, Peter, there's a small window where they could do another one. Right, if they really, if this really fucking turned out, um, but they're already, I think they're all ready to walk away from this. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like th- it was a good send off for the character, because in the end, he he got everything he wanted. Yeah, and he I guess died I just in peace. Wa- I guess I just wanted him to live a peaceful life. I wanted the Batman, um, the Dark Knight uh, Rises ending. Yeah, I guess, but when you think about what that character wants, you know, if you believe in an afterlife, he's with his wife, he's with his dog, you know, he's happy. He he has a happy he's achieved a happiness and death that he never could in life. Did it? Did he That's what I'm saying. Like they heavily very... imply it. Yeah. <laughs> I I Unless they're unless they're just leaving it open ended for whatever they want, but it just seems like he wasn't injured enough to he, like actually die. He slumped I mean, over like he, from his wounds, and the next got, shot is his gravestone. Well, I just thought he was just exhausted. Like he just had to do that that staircase thing like twenty times. On top of that, I don't think he got any sleep. Like if you mark this, so I mean, if like, you follow that logic, get, getting shot twice he... or three times or however many times he got shot, and he actually bled uh, on these ones. He didn't yes, get action he didn't... scene shot. He got drama he, scene shot. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't have his fancy suit jacket. Just 
getting shot after all that, you know, it might be enough for your heart to just kind of like give out once you go into shock. <laughs> I I thought I thought by showing his grave, it was like so everybody would just leave him alone, and he's got an alias somewhere else, and he's that's kind of what I was somewhere. going for, or what I'm thinking, and maybe nobody. Nobody knows he's alive other than well, Winston. Yeah, because they, I mean, they do do a little bit of, like, if, you know, again, to leave it open, they do those implications where, like, is he in heaven or hell? Winston's yeah, like, where do you think he knows? is, heaven or hell? And then the dog, like, looks off yeah. screen at something, you know, which is, like, the cue, the, the cinema cue for me of, oh, he's, like, wa-, you know, he's watching the um, his own funeral from, like, 100, you know, 200 yards away. Off on the other side of the graveyard, yeah. um, like that Auntie Donna sketch, man who's yeah. pretend only pretending to be dead at his own funeral. Think, um, yeah, I, I, it, it's possible. I think they did it intentionally. So if they wanted to make another movie, they could. But I feel like, um, at least thematically speaking, this was a a solid way to put a bow on the the franchise and the character. Right. Cuz now they are announcing um they're doing some well they've announced already that they're doing spin-off Yeah, I think Donnie Yen's character is going to spin off. Yeah. So I I yeah. love this comment I saw on one and... of the reddits where it's like on the one hand, John Wick lore is like at the high table, you need to be a sp- sponsored by a family and hold a second in order to challenge a man for the rights of uh was this Victoria Freedom or whatever it was. On the other uh, hand, yeah. John Wicklore is like this guy is named Kane because he has a cane. <laughs> I thought it was more like a Cain and Abel sort of reference, but yeah, it can be both. That's the power. That's the power <laughs> of it. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, we got we gotta say it. I gotta talk about it. Lance Reddick dies, and then Cherry yeah, dies. Yeah, he gets shot right in. The- <laughs> he got shot so hard in the movie, he died in real life. Uh, I was like, oh, so that's how he died. I was a little like shocked um, that they left that in. Right. So I, I was like, that feels. I learned that spoiler like well, the... when I was when I was learning about his his uh, passing. I that kind of came up in the discussion, and that's why when we say that, I said, oh. um, "Watch out! There's spoil. You know, as you're be as you're reading, be careful. There's spoilers for John Wick Four. Okay, I never read any of that, so, so it, it so took it me by surprise. Yeah. The when I was looking through the IMDb trivia, uh, it said that Lance Reddick had already um, filmed several scenes for the spinoff, so he is going to make one more appearance in the spinoff, um, which is going to be interesting. So I guess it might be like a flashback of some sort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, th- it's heavily alluded to the history between Kane and John. Yeah, I want the I want the Mister um, Nobody spinoff, honestly. Because he seems like set up to be the the legacy carry on character. Because they said yeah. like they made his old character for this movie, and I feel like his arc isn't like complete, you know. Yeah, he feels yeah. kind of tacked yeah. on as is. So I definitely feel like they could be setting him up as kind of the the younger, more cost controlled yeah. uh, star to continue the franchise for the next however long. He's got he's got like a kind of theme going on, and he's got a cool weapon. He's got his like multi gun, 
and he's, he's got, got a, a dog. dog. He's got his, you know, backpack that he turns into a bulletproof vest. He's got yeah, perfect perfect action figure material. <laughs> perfect John Wick action. Yeah. Material. I actually I need to see it cuz they I'm sure they have it. But um John Wick action figure. Perfect. Yep, absolutely. 34 bucks at uh buy it on Amazon. Yeah. Play it, um, play him on Fortnite. I'm John Wick. Yeah, I think there's not a whole lot to spoil here. Uh John gets a uh well the high table starts punishing the people um who've been helping John throughout the movie. And John hatches the plot with the uh runner of the uh New York Hotel Winston, right? Yep. Um and, they blew uh, up the hotel, sort of. Yes. He blew up the inside. Um, side note, the John Wick action figure comes with a pencil. Excellent. That's a mess. Um, yeah, so they hatch a plot where uh, he will challenge the Grand Marquis, played by Bill Skarsgård, to a duel for his freedom and for uh, restoration of the hotel and uh, to de-excommunicate Winston. And the rest of the movie is just uh, the high tables trying to kill John uh, before he can get to the duel. And um, there's a lot of great action scenes in there. And there's a lot of good characters. Like, I'd be very remiss if I didn't mention the fucking German gold tooth grimace (laughs) club owner. That was was what made me think of fucking Austin Powers. That was a scene, like, aside from the brutal action and fighting, that felt basically right out of an Austin Powers scene. Yeah. Yeah, I, that that was what I think surprised me the most in this movie. They took like a weird departure um, to get from point A to point B. It's like, oh, in order for you to do this, you got to do this. Um, and he had to regain his yeah. family, or he had he, to reunite with his family. Uh, which, in order to challenge the marquee, he has to be a part of a family. Um, and in order for him to be a part of the family, he had to avenge. He needed uh, to do Pietro's, a favor for, uh, for the head of the family. Yeah. Yes. So he goes. He he challenges the um, the this German like club owner, uh, and he's got this very interesting body yes. shape. And uh, he's kind of like the kingpin. Got, yeah, let me see who the yeah. actor was on that because yeah, I feel like, like he was kingpin. someone that we would remember. Um, yeah, he's got gold teeth. He's built like a fucking Mack truck, but he's got the thighs of a. You know, a, a weightlifter. He's he's not like it's not like he's fat, but he's not yeah, like he's skinny. He's, um, he's very bulky. He's got that Do weird sleeper the, build. Yeah, he wasn't killer, right? He works out a lot, but he doesn't diet. <laughs> right. Yeah, the six pack is 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 strong, and it's beneath yeah. the keg. So I don't see him on the. the uh, I don't see him on the cast list here. I because I don't remember what his name was. I know. I remember who uh, fucking Klaus was because he goes, "I am Klaus." Uh, Cast and credits. Yeah, I am Klaus. (laughs) Uh, the gangster. Might be Killa. But no, I feel like Killa was the Spanish dude. He was like, he was just kind of there for the whole story. Yeah, his uh, his the Marquis right hand man. Um. Oh, was oh was he? Oh, maybe. 
Robert Best? No. Wouldn't be the German um, gangster. Oh, could John be. John Wick cast for cast um, mob boss. Let's see if I can't find it that way. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of. I mean, there's a lot of characters in this movie. Yeah. Like it, oh, it is. It is. It is Killa. Scott Atkins is Killa, the head of the German table, and okay. individual is one thing. Comic John Wick. They're the same anime. Ah, uh, that's and yeah, so he was. Yep. He was in a lot of stuff. He is a character. It's a character transformation on par with the penguin. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Almost unrecognizable. He's been in a lot of action movies, so I guess that tracks. Yeah. But his whole character was a lot of fun, from the from the poker thing to the fucking. The uh, the meth inhaler or whatever it was. Oh yeah, his inhaler. That was I fucking <laughs> love that he had asthma. <laughs> I I think I think the character designs and what they do with all the different types of villains or uh, people that they bring in is just really interesting. Like even Donnie Yen's character Kane, uh, you know he's blind. He apparently gave his eyes to the high table. Um, I think to I protect his daughter because like, like they need they demand a life. Or whatever. They took his ass. And, and maybe he, yeah. he reached that accord with them. Just how they, like how they took John Wick's uh, so, his ring finger. You know? Yeah, that's true. And they made uh the, the other guy, the the American guy, kind of pull his hand through the knife, which was Yeah, fucking I did brutal. not like that. Um <laughs> still makes me cringe. Um but they the K and the way he fights is is through like a drunk foo kind of um uh yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of it's a lot like Daredevil. Um, yeah, he but I, I think it was genius setting up like yeah. the doorbells. The, uh, no, that was the really cool, really neat idea. That shoulder height, like that's amazing. Um, you you'll be shocked to learn they, that Scott Adkins, the German guy, uh, <laughs> worked with Donnie Yen a couple times on a couple Ip Man movies. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? I wonder if he was brought in or recommended. <laughs> Because he's the this is by far the biggest movie he's ever done. Like, yeah. he's got a lot of uh, mockumentaries, like uh, or not mockbusters, but like this shit, like Section Eight, Dead yeah. Reckoning, or the Intergalactic Adventures of Max Cloud, <laughs> Triple Threat, No Surrender, Buyaka. He was in Triple Threat. Yeah. Or well, no, not, not I was thinking of Triple Frontier. Yeah. <laughs> um, Who could forget? Who could remember? Who could remember? Yeah. Yeah, man. This is this is a fantastic movie yeah. all around. Yeah. Great definitely, characters. Definitely see it in Frogger, theaters. You know. Um, we'll see. We'll see how the uh, next week we'll be reviewing the D and D movie. But um, I think it it'd be it'd be tough for the D and D movie to, uh, I think, be my choice yeah. over seeing John Wick in theaters. It, as uh, somebody who has seen the D and D movie, I think I had more fun with John Wick. So, D and D had its charm. Was, for I sure. guess the, I, I'll ask, kind of wrap it up here. Uh, what was your favorite of the three action chapters? Right, the three action sub, you know, sub chapters: the Japanese hotel, the you know, the Russia, the German uh, mob boss, or the fight in Paris. I gotta go German mob boss. I'm gonna have to go with the fight in Paris. I think that had the most uh, the unique 
um, use of like setting, scene, and memorabilia, memorability. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, whereas like the Japanese scene, like amazing, gave me like gave me visions out of like cyberpunk left and right. Um, Wake up, samurai! It, <laughs> We've got after a, a while, after a while, it it just kind of it just kind of felt like the same thing, like um, nunchucking uh, these like. Armored up I soldiers, love when they walked into the art gallery uh, in the first scene. Like, I'm shoot. like, I remember it from the trailer. I'm like, you ever? W- <laughs> I I didn't say this to Kurt. I thought this to myself. But like, remember in Borderlands where you walk into um you walk into what's obviously going to be a shooting arena, but they haven't gotten <laughs> to that point in the story yeah. yet. So you have to yeah. wait for the cutscene to finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like whenever we would find good. a hole that dropped down to a. Yeah. To a like open area, it's like oh boss fight. Let's stock up <laughs> vending machines, a hole. <laughs> All right, yep, boss arena. <laughs> yeah, um, I I give it to the German nightclub just because there was a lot of I like how they fought through the crowd and the crowd just like didn't notice or yeah. care. Uh, they were all just dancing along. I like the I I really like the scene with anything with water falling always looks cool to me. Um, so I like that a lot. Yeah. And the, the, just the German mob boss character was great. And I love, I love how that fight starts where he, he cheats his poker hand. He's got five twos <laughs> yep. and, and, and John just I mean, like picks no a card answers. up and slices his fucking throat with it. And you're like, Oh, that's it then. But yeah, no, it keeps going. Yen just, he's, he calls all of them. Like he, he can't, he's picking up the poker and he can't see the cards. Yeah, he's like, mm. and then yeah, the mob boss flips the cards. He's like, oh yeah, I guess what is it, five of a kind? Yeah, I guessed as much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he also gets the best line in the movie at the end at the duel when um the the Frenchman Bill Skarsgård he's like coming up to him, he's like, remember your daughter? And he's like, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, just no, just no yeah. hesitation. Like, just come awesome. fuck out of here. Um, yeah, you don't talk I, to me like that. Probably, I'd also say the middle fight, just because um, the the last the the fight the night fight in Paris um, was also great. I think it was maybe like two one one sequence too much. Yeah, um, I think the Arc de Triomphe dragged a little bit. Uh, they the pushed him down the stairs like three fantastic. times. Yeah, the house scene was great. If we were just talking the house scene uh, from, like, all the different camera angles they use, and we, we talked on the Dragon's Breath and the Hotline Miami and how awesome that shit was, I would give it to that. But mm-hmm. having to factor in, you know, the fact that he got pushed down the stairs one too many times, in my opinion, and how long the Arc de Triumph thing went on for, it just drags. It was not quite as but- well paced as the middle fight. That that's just that's just why this is so much like uh, awesome power. Yeah. <laughs> it's a goofy action thriller. Yeah, you like know? I mean, there there are no wrong answers. Let's just be clear. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. can make a very legitimate case for any of them. Um. So I hope you guys all will give it a look. See. Um. Yep. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Sounds of the Podcast. We'll be back next week with three sixty one. Covering the Dungeons and Dragons movie. And until then, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye bye.